Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Are you a parent with a newly diagnosed child with autism? Are you looking for answers on how you can help your struggling child? The online training course, Discovering Behavioral Intervention, is the answer. Real parents take you through applied behavior analysis in 10 step-by-step modules. Learn more at youdiscovering.org and follow them on Twitter at youdiscovering. We are very proud to have Mayor Johnson as our sponsor. Mayor Johnson is the world's special education super source. The Mayor Johnson sale is on. They have incredible drastic savings on hundreds of products. So go to mayorjohnson.com. That's mayor-johnson.com. Follow them on Twitter at Mayor Johnson and visit them today. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Special Needs Talk Radio Network. We provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs and child-adolescent mental health communities. Thank you for joining us tonight, and now, on to the interview. Good evening, and welcome back to the Ask Stephanie Show on the Coffee Clatch Network. Good evening and welcome back to the Ask Stephanie Show on the Coffee Clutch Network. It's so great to be back and have such an amazing guest with us this evening. Have you, have you ever had your kids say to you, I don't want to go to school? Well, most of us have at one time or another, and tonight we're lucky to have an amazing guest with us, Dr. Michelle Borba, who gives us help with back-to-school anxiety. Welcome to the show, Dr. Borba. We're so happy to have you this evening. Oh, Stephanie, I am so excited to be on this show. Thank you for the invitation. So school is in full swing now, and I know for my kids who are in second, fifth, and seventh grade, they're getting homework, they have a test assigned, and they're getting back into the new routine. So, and, you know, sometimes for kids it takes an adjustment time, and sometimes for parents it's it's a little bit of adjustment to get back in after the summer and being relaxed and all of a sudden there's lunches to pack and things to do and after-school activities. And it's definitely an adjustment for, for both parent and child. Um, and and I, I talk to you tonight because I think that there are some children that have a really tough time starting off the school year. And I talk to parents um, about this interview who so many people were so excited that you would be on tonight. And they they have a lot of questions. So um, so tonight, let's start with transitions for kids. How long is a normal amount of time before parents should start to worry that their child is suffering true anxiety because of the school year? Well, I think the most important one on this one is it's going to be different for every child. You need to figure out what your child's normal is. This is not going to be something you can look up in a textbook. You've got to be able to gauge it. How long does it usually take your child to make a transition? Some kids it's an easy, easy thing, and some kids it's it's always more difficult. But is this more extreme? Is it lasting longer? Is the behavior spilling over into other areas of his life? Are you walking on pins and needles? Is it not working? Then something else is going on, and nobody knows your child better than you. It's time for you to put up the antenna, go down to the teacher, and say, let's figure something out together. That's absolutely right. And I think an important point is I, there are so many parents that gauge their child based on their friend's children or based yeah. on other children in the class. And it doesn't make your child like there's something wrong with them because they may take a little longer than another child. But I think what you made a very good point is that each child is different. And if your child is not transitioning 
and it's going and it's spilling over into other areas than that, then don't worry about what everyone else is doing, but worry about that individual child. Exactly. Or even, I think, or even siblings, because I think parents tend to compare yeah. too to say, oh, my older one never had this, and I, I think that that can be a difficulty as well for parents. Yeah, do so, not compare. And, don't compare with the child next door or anybody else in the home. You've got, just got to figure out what works for your child. And I, I always suggest to a parent that one of the things you may want to do is use what is really called the medical model. Doctors will say, how long does it last and when did it start? So for a child, especially with special needs, you really want to do the detective work. Just start tracking it on a calendar. Are, are you seeing when there's a time yep, during I the love day? That that's a little bit more severe, you'll begin to see patterns that we overlook because we've got so much going on that, oh, my gosh, when you start tracking it, and I'm not saying a dissertation, I'm saying nothing more than a calendar, you come up with your own code. You can say, you know, maybe it's 5 o'clock, that's, my gosh, all of a sudden there's always a temper tantrum at 5 o'clock or all is well on Thursday, but every single Friday something's going on you'll begin to see a pattern that you may be missing and then you can do something profound of figuring out what's one little tweak you can use or do once you know, well, my gosh, Friday is always a spelling test or Friday is when the bus schedule changes mm-hmm. or Friday there's always a substitute teacher at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. You'll figure something's going on that's spiraling that behavior and then you can create simple little tweaks. I love that. Now, another thing that I think, children who have anxiety often face their stomach aches. So it's, Mom, yeah. I don't feel yeah. good. I have a belly ache, And they're often associated with nervous feelings. But how can parents tell if these nervous butterflies are, are truly just nervous belly ache, or are they not feeling well? And, and what, what, how do they handle that? How would you suggest they handle well, it? I'm so glad you mentioned that because a lot of parents may be missing. Let's let's go through some stress signs for just a minute or anxiety signs that we know from the Mayo Clinic, the pediatricians are telling us watch out for. Stomach aches, the headaches, the immune system breaks down. Uh, maybe you're also watching the child who sleep at this point. He's always sleepy or he's more irritable or you're seeing a sudden change that isn't typical for your child. All of a sudden he's clingy or all of a sudden he's acting out. The first thing you've got to do is figure out is it a sudden change that seems to be lasting. Every kid is going to have a bad day and every kid's going to come home and go, I don't like my teacher. But does it is it reoccurring? And is the stomach ache reoccurring around the same time or the same pattern? That becomes the key that something's going on, and it doesn't have anything to do with an illness. It has to do with stress. Right. And, you know, Stephanie, the big other thing is your child's probably not going to come home and go, you know, I'm really suffering from low self-esteem or stress, Mom. So you really need to watch your child, and you'll see those behaviors emerge. Right, and if you're seeing that it is that they actually probably physically are having a stomach ache, but that uh-huh. it's typical and it's normal to have a little nervous stomach at the beginning. And I, I think for uh, an important point is also when to, to check in with the teacher and say to them, are they eating their snack at school? Are they having lunch? Because then you're able to say, okay, well, they're moving past it during the day and maybe it's just this anticipatory anxiety to start getting on the bus or going to school and maybe that's they're moving past it. I think it's important for parents to get some feedback from from the teacher about something it's like a stomach ache. Oh, I so agree with you. As much as you can make that teacher your ally, I taught special ed for years, and one of the things I really encourage parents to do is let's be, we're in this together. Let's bond quickly and let's figure it out. If something's going on at home, let me know. If something's going on at school, I'll let you know. But let's work it through so we're on the same page together, and then we can at least figure out, okay, so what are we going to do about it? I see it here. Do you see it there? Okay, then let's figure it out. Because she's seeing your child in a different way. A different set of eyes in a different environment and it may not have anything to do with the classroom you can then say well it doesn't have anything going on here it's not going on at home maybe it's the bus maybe it's the recess and then you can start looking for other pair of eyes if there's a classroom aide if there's another teacher if you have that ability to even get down to that recess and just observe behind you know a newspaper in front of you so the child isn't seeing you but you can start putting two to two together and figuring out is there a trigger that's causing this okay then let's figure out the solution for it. 
Right. I, I definitely agree. Now, for parents who are listening, because I hear this a lot from parents, is they don't want to annoy the teacher. And is it too soon? And maybe they need a, a little more time. Do you, you just, I mean, you're a teacher. Is it ever too soon? Do you think giving it a few days, a week, what, what is appropriate for parents? Well, what, what's appropriate, first of all, let's go down the, the, the whole list. Number one, it all depends upon when school started. So for some states, this has been your, you, this is the nightmare period. It's already over. The honeymoon's going. Let's go on to the next phase because you've already been in school maybe two, three, four weeks. You're really getting a gauge as something's not working here. For some children, it may be the, the anxiety is so high, don't wait another day. Because mm-hmm. the first most important thing you want to do is ask the teacher, I know you've got other students in your classroom, what's the best way we can connect? Is it by email? Is it by phone? In some cases, do you want to have a little notebook that, that every day we write just a one little line back and forth to one another that's always going to be in his backpack as to how things going? Every teacher is a little different. But the key that the teacher always likes to be asked is, how would you like to be connected? How can we communicate? And once you know that, you just kind of lay low, always leave the agenda at the door, walk in with the what can we do, listen, and try to figure out what you can do in terms of creating a plan for one another. Yeah, that's, no, that makes a lot of sense. I was online and I was reading just, I think parents sometimes need to hear statistics. So um, it, I, I read that anxiety-based school refusal affects 2 to 5% of school-aged children and that it commonly takes place between the ages of 5 and 6, between 10 and 11, and times of transition such as entering middle school or high school, which really makes a lot of sense. Um, so, and I, I was tracking the ages. For some children, in addition to transition, a very big transition is moving to a new school and how that can be especially difficult. How much um, do you see children anxiety in a new school and how long before a child can really be acclimated? Well, Again, this is all depending upon the resilience factor or the bounce-back ability of a child, but there are some wonderful things you can do. Number one, let's anticipate what's causing the anxiety in a child who's moving to a brand-new environment. Number one is lack of friends. Who am I going to sit next to during lunch? I don't know anybody there. That's one thing you can resolve. You can go to the teacher and say, is there one child who we can bond with or connect with or I can invite over? Is there somebody around the neighborhood that can sit next to my child on the bus? If you can find one little buddy, they may not be bosom buddies for the rest of their life, but that's going to really reduce anxiety there. Yep. Yeah, one thing, getting lost is unbelievably anxiety-driven, and, and rightly so, I would be too, particularly for some of these middle schools that are huge. What you may need to do is repetition, repetition, because that's how kids learn. Let's walk the walk together. For kids who can read a map, many special ed kids can't, but you can print off the actual map of the school, and you can color code it. You can also draw pictures. I've seen the most ingenious map I ever saw of a special needs child was the mother ran it off from the handbook of the school. She then took photographs of each place, like this is the place with the child, where that's with the cafeteria, and she glued them, put them in a little baggie, you know, plastic baggie, and put it in the backpack. Oh, it was so comforting to the child. There could be a thing, I can't remember my bus number. Your teacher is going to walk you there and help you with the bus. But what if she forgets? Then let's take a black marking pen and put big, huge three right on the back side of the tongue so nobody will see it, but you can match it to the number there. Find simple little solutions by anticipating yeah, what cool. the big problem is. Yeah, that's, those are really great tips. I mean, I know for my own child who's in second grade, I mean, he goes off to school every day, and his thing is, are you going to be here when I get back? That's a, yeah. that's a big one for him. Are you going to be home? Well, because and, sometimes and I may have huge. work or I may have to do something. And, you know, I may be in the city. I may be doing something. Are you going to be here? You know, chances are I will be here, but, you know, sometimes I may have work or I may have an appointment, but they want to know that when they get back that everything's going to be the same. It's a well, big thing for just- kids. It's it's huge. And, Stephanie, let's look at just a moment. You, you've said some really fascinating statistics, and they're right on. We knew that 8 to 10% of kids 
are suffering from more anxiety kinds of issues these days. What causes anxiety? The biggest thing is the unknown. They don't know what to expect. That's your second grader. Are you going to be there? Knowing that you will brings the comfort. Knowing that you won't, so what am I going to do? So it's really anticipating those little concerns for a child. Uh, and and even if a child can't read, I remember this one little guy always so concerned about what time is my mommy going to be here? What time is my mommy going to be here? He couldn't tell time. But we were able to do was buy a very very inexpensive watch with a black marking pen and a hot dog sticker. We marked the big clock on the on the you know above in the classroom and his clock in his uh, right on his wrist and only had one time on it, he was able to match the two with the colors there. And, oh, my gosh, you could just see the kid breathing as a result of it. Right. Right. Just It's just little simple things that can be done. And these are just they're really great tips that parents just, I think, if you set yourself up at the beginning to know that there are some, some things that if you put in the time at the beginning um, yeah. that, that it's going to work and that, that setting yourself up and setting a system up that works at the beginning will wind up taking you through the school year. Well, yes, and so let's look at the, the number one tip right now is, is there one little thing that you think is causing a little bit of angst with your child? I don't know if mommy's going to be there. I can't remember the, cl- uh, the time. I can't remember the bus number. I can't remember my locker. I can't remember the classroom. Any of those, choose just one. Children learn best through repetition. So find one simple little thing. Usually with special needs kids, cues are wonderful. A picture cue, um, it, again, black marking pens I think are fabulous. Maybe it's color-coded. But find one little thing and keep doing that one little thing over and over again until it becomes the ritual, the routine. You'll begin to see a change in your child if it's working. Then you can add the next thing. So you just keep adding little solutions along the way and you'll find a more relaxed child and you. I like it. So, well, let's move on to friendships because we as adults know that friendships go through twists and turns and over time we've learned to manage these changes. But I notice that kids who are in a, a fight with a friend and they lose a friend or they're having an issue with a classmate have a really hard time and often want to avoid being in school because of them. So what can you tell us about this and some some things for just parents to look out for because sometimes they don't want to go to school because of an actual reason, and and that's something parents need to sort of hone in on. I'm so glad you mentioned this because a lot of times when we hear a child say, I don't want to go to school, we immediately assume, oh, the work is too hard. But friends play an enormous part of our children's self-esteem. Actually, in the middle school, that's what they're more concerned about, getting along and how do I get along. So let's look at this for just a minute. If you are allies with the teacher, one wonderful thing you can ask is a roster of the names of the kids in the class. Now, she can't give you legally the addresses and phone numbers. If she can just give you the first name of each child in the classroom, that alone is a gold mine you'll use the rest of the year. What you want to do is, you know, don't put it in front of you so that you're doing a checklist for the kid, how blah, 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 and going down the okay. list. But instead, start listening for certain names. And then ask if there's certain names that never come up as to why. When you are uh, during cafeteria, who do you sit next to during the cafeteria? Oh, find mm-hmm. out if there's anybody sitting next to them. Is there anybody? Be concerned if nobody's sitting next to your child or he's not mentioning any names. You don't need a whole bunch of friends, popularity is a myth, but you need a couple of buddies that the child can feel secure with. Same with the playground. Who do you, where do you play? In fact, sometimes you can actually take a placemat and draw, here's the swings and here's the slides or here's the jungle gym or the bigger pig and here's the basketball courts. Where do you play? Oh, right here. Oh, where do your other friends play? Watch where his finger goes or where the other kids are around him. Does he have a base? That's wonderful. If not, that's your next conference with the teacher. Immediately sit down and say, does he have buddies? Does he feel secure? Next, are there any children you suggest that he could be a friend with that have similarities? Children who are a little older choose friends based on similar interests, and that alone is wonderful. So you can't create a best friend for your child. You can figure out what does this other kid like that my kid likes. Maybe they both like 
to read. Maybe they both like video games. Maybe they both like basketball. Uh, if you can choose children who have similar interests, you're more likely to get your child that friend too. Friendship skills are all learned. So the other thing you may want to do during a Saturday or a day at the park is sit there and observe your child really honestly without him knowing you're watching. If you can attend a field trip, that's glorious as well because what you want to see is your child's comfort level with other kids. Does he barge right in or does he tactfully know how to say, hi, my name is? If mm -hmm. she's shy, she needs warm-up time, and that's absolutely fine. But shy kids are a little more anxious by nature also. What they need is rehearsal. They need to know here's the first thing that's going to happen. When you go to the birthday party, the mommy's going to be standing there, so you can walk up and say, hi, my name is, and then give right. her the present. If you just rehearse the first thing or the first thing each morning when your child walks out the door he feels so much more comfortable because he knows here's what I can do but rehearse it rehearse it rehearse it with role plays that's how kids learn friendship skills best I and role play is huge I think that's great and I, I, I think for for parents sometimes they need to know like where their where a child's strength is and where their what's 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 bothering them, and the only way for them to do that is to be able to, like you said, go to a park, look, watch, and, and yeah. facilitate the situation. I uh, One of the favorite books I wrote is, uh, I've written a number of them, but one of them was called Nobody Likes Me, Everybody Hates Me. It's the top 25 friendship-making skills that kids need, and we actually sequence them as to the first one, the second one, the third one. They're all teachable, but the first one is even how to make a friend. Hi, my name is. Absolutely. Looking at your friend, how to how to make a friend by walking up and don't barge into a, a game, but how to help your child by watching others, and then you can teach him how to do the same skill. If you can even point out to a child, let's go to the park. Oh, let's watch that little boy. Oh, look, he's trying to to join that game, but he doesn't know how. Let's see what he does. Oh. Look at that. He barks right into the other kids like it. No, guess not. Well, watch what this other kid does. Oh, look, he waits a little bit. Oh, he looks like he's looking at that girl right there who was part of the game. Oh, she has right. a smiley face. And what you'll see is the child gets it because you're showing him what to do. Then you're practicing it one skill at a time over and over. Fabulous research by two, uh, Auden and Asher. They did amazing research on kids that, kids that had very low social skills. And they discovered if you choose one skill at a time, show him, don't tell him, do it over and over and over again, what begins to happen, he gradually gets it, and then you can add the next one. And if there's a real problem, go to the teacher and say, is there some friendship skills or classes that are around here that maybe the school psychologist or counselor is teaching? Yeah, there's, are, there, I mean, I know of also, and I think it's fantastic, a really great socialization um, classes that children take and how wonderful parents have said and how it's done so so yeah. so much for children. There's just an article in the Times about it, actually, teaching children to socialization and that it can be taught. So I think that that's great. Um, so moving from socialization, friends, which I think is so important, is our teachers. So... As we know, I, I believe teachers can make or break a child's year. I yep. I am a strict I, I am a firm believer of this. And and not to say that strict teachers are not good for a child and it's funny because I mean I have three kids, so I think they're all my my children are really different and I do firmly believe that not every teacher is right for every child. And it happens to be that in elementary school my kids a lot of times often have the same teacher and it, you know, there have been times where they haven't, but they're all really different. And I do believe that they don't need to have the same type of teacher. But I do think that sometimes a teacher can can make a situation better or worse, and that children who have anxiety and I wonder how you feel about this need that softer touch. Um, that sometimes just teachers just may not get that. Children need a little warm-up time or they're a little anxious or they're a little worried. And, and you know what? It's not even just that kids are worried at the beginning of school, but we could be having this interview and we're having it because it's timely and it's the beginning of school. But I definitely could have called you in December and said, let's have an, let's have an interview on school anxiety because there are kids who are, have anxiety disorders 
and they're worried at school, you know, in December. So what do you think about that? I mean, do you think that there is a certain type of teacher that a parent should always look for if their child is anxious? Yes. I think with the first, it goes right back to you really have to know what works for your child. And if there's any way you can match that, that's golden. I have three kids, and I will tell you that for one of my kids, I would stand that before. Now, I was in a school where I was able to choose teachers, and that, which was a wonderful thing. You usually can't yeah. these days. But right. it, that was really wonderful because I would watch for relationship. I'm really big on warmth and relationship are absolutely critical. For a child is more anxious, they need a calm, supportive presence. That teacher is a safety net for that child, and that's so critical. Now, there's other things you know your child better than anybody. So one of the first conferences you need to do is, first of all, walk in there, and you can find out a lot of information. Heaven's sakes, go to a back-to-school meeting because that will give you a, a relationship of watching her or him interact with all the parents and listen so you can gauge what the year is. But the second thing is conferences will be coming up soon. And one mm-hmm. of the things you want to do when you walk to that conference is, Write down a couple of notes on an index card before you walk in there. Before, besides, how is he doing academically? How is he doing socially? And then ask some other things by, most importantly, what do you see his strengths are? How does he learn best? And watch what his or her response is. Ideally, that teacher should know at this point, she, he's really a visual learner, or she seems to need some warm-up time. Is she gauge, does she have an emotional gauge for your child? Both, if she knows those things, those are gold mines. She can tell you the positives about your child. She can also say, this is what works for behavior. This is what working together. Pat yourself on the back and go, this is going to be good because she really knows my child. And those are goosebumps. I've already got them right now because yes, that's what a child needs. And I think it's so important that you – Stay involved with a teacher because there are children, and and you know this, anxiety can look like many different things to many different people. So you can be a very anxious child but be a very – present very well. And you can look like like you don't have a care in the world, but you have this inner angst inside of you. And so you're behaving in a certain way that it – not coming off to the teacher like I'm scared and I'm crying and so the teacher doesn't think the child has anxiety and unless a parent goes to the teacher and I really encourage parents to listen to this right now and say to themselves you know it's really important for you to say to the teacher I know it's not presenting as if it's anxiety but I want you to know what's going on at home because I and I I have three kids but I have a child who as a young child, had so much anxiety that I actually, one time, he, he was having such a hard time going to school. He was, it must have been, I think it was like kindergarten, first grade, whatever it was. But he, he, he'd get to school and they'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know? And yeah. I, I, one time, and I would have two hours of hysterical crying in the morning. So one time I called and I asked to talk to the principal at 8 o'clock in the morning. School hadn't, hadn't started yet. And I just put the phone to her ear and I just, he, he was hysterically crying. And I said, this has been what's going on in my house for the last hour, and this happens every single morning. I know that it doesn't present that way in school, but this is what, what's going on. I need you to know this. We, we need to come up with a plan. And sometimes I think that I know that happens in, in many other houses, um, maybe in different forms, but I think parents need to be able to say to a teacher, this is what's going on in our home, and though it may not look like this, not every child looks as if they're – super anxious, but this is what they're presenting like at home. So I I tell parents, importantly, um, as I'm sure you would agree, that it's important to go to these conferences and back to school and pull them aside as early as possible. And if conferences, every school is different, but sometimes conferences are not till November or December. And so, as I'm sure you would agree, you do not wait until November or December to put this plan in place. This is this is a now thing for parents whose children are suffering and and to say we need to come up with something now because November or December is just too late. 
absolutely critical. You do not wait because it'll things can only escalate, and you need to nip this in the bud. Stephanie, you said a couple of words that were absolutely brilliant. The first thing you said is we. What can we do? And that's the that's the element you want to do when you walk into a conference. What can we do like you're working together? Second mm-hmm. of all, I love the fact that you mentioned don't make an assumption. Don't assume that the teacher is a mind reader. She won't know what's going on at home. Number three is if this is increasing or it's enduring, it keeps lasting and there's no change, then don't wait at all again. There's psychological services. There's counselors beyond the teacher. She may not be trained in behavior management or psychological services in terms of a plan, but you can get other people on that school to be able to sit down with you, help it through, and if something works at home, home that you go my gosh what a difference I finally figured out this is a strategy that works pass it on to the teachers so you're on board together I agree now I have another oh yeah go on go on yeah I'm just saying the most important thing is anxiety is something that there's some fabulous techniques and strategies that we can teach children Uh, we can teach them it can be reduced but we need to not wait we need to do it we need to figure out who's going to help us and create the strategy so that your child will be more have a more positive year otherwise concentration is going to go with focusing ability is going to go with behavior is going to go the stress level goes up none of it's fair to the child absolutely so i had a mom uh, i've been tweeting uh, you know for the past few weeks i had a mom tweet me this week about our our interview and she said my child hysterically crying, I have to have a a teacher or the principal or someone actually come in and pretty much the child needs to be dragged out of the car to come in. And they said, what does Dr. Borba think about this? And I I have had parents call me and say to me, "Uh, what do I do? do? I'm in the the parking lot right now. And the parent is hysterically crying. Do I leave them? what, what 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 do you think? Well, I, first of all, you've got to really weigh this as to is it a new behavior, is this your child, what's causing the angst? Because to just pull him out when he's highly, highly anxious anyway, it's only exasperating this enormous fear. What's causing the fear? It, that's, you're talking terror for a child at that point. Yes. I, he's not making this up. This is he's really terror-riven. Why? What's going on in that classroom? Um, what I, did, I had a child that was very similar to that, and what I finally found is that the only way to do this is that I would walk quietly out, calmly talk with the child, with the parent. We'd rehearse it over and over again. It was like this little baby step model that we'd slowly put your foot wet, you know, it's, it's kind of like when you do swimming. You don't have the kid jump in the deep end when he's scared to death of the pool. You that's start a great with analogy. Getting wet, and you slowly, that's how you manage fear, in little teeny dosages. You're talking about a terror, not a child who didn't do their homework, but terror. So now you've got to figure out how to build up his comfort level. And it may be that you walk him over during, um, during Saturday. You may be that you rehearse how to say goodbye to the child before you put him in the car. Uh, I, I, one of my own kids was like that in, just in kindergarten, and I finally discovered that what really helped him was just talking quietly. Now, this is what the first thing is going to happen, the second thing, and then when Mommy's going to go and say goodbye, this is how we're going to say goodbye, and this is when Mommy's going to pick you up. He was very cognitive, and what he needed was all the steps in his head. That's what helped that child. It's a great, great suggestion, and and something on a weekend where there's quiet and nobody's looking at them, and they can feel what they want to feel, but then practice without anybody sort of judging them. I think is a great suggestion. Yeah, I so, had another child that was just wanted to. She couldn't. When we finally figured out what was just horrific for her is that her greatest source of security was a blanket. We cut a one-inch square of her blanket, put it in her pocket. She was absolutely fine the rest of the day. Brilliant. It's just some of these little things that parents need to be maybe a little creative. Or I know for parents I've had, you know, put a little picture, cut a little picture out of them, put it on an index card, put it in the backpack so that they know that they're with them. Or I love the book, The Kissing Hand for Young Children. I do it to my child. I put a kiss in my hand, yes. and it's good for the whole day. And I swear, if you wash your hands, it's still it's still on. Just well, little things one, that parents 
one mommy put a, she gave him a pebble and she said, this is me, now feel it, I'm giving it to you, put it in your pocket and every time that you feel it, that's me, I may, I may not be sitting right next to you, but I'm feeling you and you're feeling me and oh my gosh, the security level of this child, you could just, oh, he just melted, he just was so, that's what he needed. So the I key is, that. you okay, got to so figure out a simple little thing. But or just a transitional object, something could really work. Yeah. So, okay, so we talked a lot about friendships and teachers, but I was just I was just looking on teen teenshealth.org and they have a percentage of what worries children most about going back to school. So they have extracurricular is 3%, nothing 10%, appearance issues 25%, social issues 30% and schoolwork issues, 32%. And this is, mm-hmm. they um, heard from 600 people on back-to-school worries for this survey. So 32% is just about the same as social issues. But I do want to get to schoolwork because in this high-stress, high-paced environment that we live in today, it is so stressful for children, and it's not just stressful for back to school, but it just is stressful as the year progresses. Um, I had this Halston parents tweet me the other day about reminding um, me about this film, Race to Nowhere, Um, and I'm sure Mm -hmm. you're familiar with the film. And it's a documentary for parents who haven't listened to it, and they definitely should, on focusing, it's empowering parents to limit academic pressure on their children. But I think Today, this pressure of keeping this A average and perfect grades are just, school is just getting more and more rigorous. I know for my own children that, and, and my, 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 fifth, my fifth grader, who I have an older child and I have a younger child, my older child is two years older, he, she has more work than he did two years ago. And at open school, her teacher said to us, she should have about an hour and a half of homework, an hour to an hour and a half every single night. That's just in fifth grade. And then you get to middle school, and it's just tests and homework. It causes a lot of anxiety with kids. Did they not prepare for their tests? Are they just bogged down with too much? Did they get home too late from basketball, and, and now they weren't prepared for their day? So there's a lot for kids today. Do we? What do you think? Do you think it's too much? Well, let's go through uh, what you've said, and let's look at some of the statistics you said, and let me give you another very scathing stat. First, right on the mark, 32% of kids say that schoolwork is causing them major stress. Another study not only did that, but they said, what's the source of the stress? And the, here's the one that just is going to make you go, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Where 85% of the kids said the biggest cause of the school stress wasn't the school work. It was the parents' stress that was feeding to them. Oh, yes. Absolutely. So, and I could believe that. <laughs> so step one is watch yourself. You're a lot more important than you give yourself credit for. Our stress feeds to the kids at every level. They mirror it. So keep your expectations in check. The most brilliant thing that I ever saw, I worked in, I've worked all over the world, but one of the most amazing schools I worked with was in Taipei. These kids were, you, everything that you've talked about, these were like over the top. The achievement was push, push, push. There was one child, though, that was giving me a tour of the school, junior in high school, and I finally looked at him and said, why the heck aren't you stressed out? You've got everything right. going, but you look like, I mean, you've got the sense of humor. You're going, and the guy just kind of sat and laughed at me. And he, he finally said, I said, okay, come on. How come you're able to manage stress? Um, you and I know that half your friends are having a tough time. And he said, it's how my parents helped me learn to manage stress. And I said, okay, do tell. What the heck did they do right? He said, the problem is most kids come in and their parents just level all this work on them, all these activities on them, and they don't know how to handle it. 
What my parents did was, and he literally said this, they used the baby step model. They used a little bit of stress when I was little, and they added more and more and more and more, but only when I could handle it, then I could take on more. And so I know how to handle it because they helped me learn how to handle it by teaching me the skills. I said, do they pay you? He goes, no, everybody else would pay their kids. My mom does it right. She gives me a kiss and a hug. And I went, oh, my, oh my God. God. What a great kid. Right. Yeah, but step one, what did he do right? He told us, and the rest of the kids are saying, watch out, our stress filters down to the kids. Number two, every kid is saying they've got too much on their plate. Can you cut one thing, just one thing, that really doesn't make a darn bit of difference in your kid's future or life if they're an activity? Cut it. It will free up time. Third, I did a huge study also with the groups of kids in San Diego from the cream of the crop schools again. The parents were brilliant. They surveyed the kids before I came in to do a parent talk. What do you think the parents should be teaching you? And the number one thing that came on all the kids' list was teach us how to manage time. We've got so much going, we just don't know what to do to handle it all. So what's happening is regardless of how smart our kids are, how much they have on their plate, we're not teaching them like the kids from Taipei how to handle the stress, how to handle the organizations, organizational skills, and how to manage time. Those are all teachable. Does the stress paralyze or stimulate your child? Some kids love it. They love deadlines. Oh, my gosh, that keeps them going. Yes. Are you watching for some kids that are in panic still? Then that's the time to say, mm, if there's something that I've got that's too much on this kid's plate that I need to help him learn how to stay organized, go to that back-to-school conference and listen. How much homework should my child be doing each night in case, in order to just do the best he can do? And if it looks like it's over the top, go to the high school and ask if you can hire one of the kids there as a yep. tutor for your child. That's so much savings money. They're great in relationships, and what you'll discover, it's a lot cheaper than very pricey tutoring groups. And it may just be uh, a relationship builder. And that's a lot of high schools good. have these programs from, like, the National Honor Society where uh -huh. they parents don't even know to ask for it, but that these children can, can tutor for a certain amount of time. Maybe you have to take them to the school or whatever it is, but just almost as, like, a homework helper just to take – the stress off, because I, I mean, I think you make such a good point that parents are pushing on a lot of their anxiety about school and wanting their children to succeed and do well, and their friends and their neighbors sat with them at the supermarket and told them how their child is not going to get into college unless they have a 95 average, and if they don't start taking chemistry at this class and honors this and AP that, they can just kiss their you know college career goodbye. And if, as a parent listening to that, it is so scary, it is so overwhelming. Now you go home, your kid gets home from school, and you push this on them, and it is just—it's horrible. So I think we, we make really such a got, great point that yeah. it is so important that parents just stop and say to themselves, "Listen to what you're doing to your child. Listen to how you're affecting them." It is it can be extremely detrimental to them moving forward because we're hearing yeah. it from the children. It's their their anxiety is many times because of their, their parents putting it on them. Well, not the other thing, that, too, is, yeah. No, no, I, I mean, just, not to I, say that they don't have anxiety themselves, but, but many times children want to please their parents and, and make them happy as well. The number one thing that causes our kids stress, according to the kids, is us because they right. want desperately to please us because they love us desperately. So yeah. you may want to sit down and ask yourself, just in a calm moment, what am I doing to help my child learn to decompress? Is there some little thing that we're doing? I, I find that kids across the, the board in the United States of America, stress is building and and it will continue to build unless we also teach them how to manage it and manage it well. One mom said that she realized this kid was coming home every day with just absolute temper tantrums until she finally realized she wasn't teaching him how to just decompress because he was holding it all in. She did something real simple. She got herself a couple of beanbag chairs on sale, put them in one room, put some soothing music on, and she began by saying, oh, I'm so 
just so tired. Let's just go sit in the beanbag. She was modeling it to him. Mm-hmm, and let's mm-hmm. just sit. No, let's just read or let's just listen to the music. She said all of a sudden it kicked in. She it no just longer becomes does it a herself, way of life. But yeah, every day her child comes home, and the first thing he does is go to the beanbag chair, put on the music, he decompresses a little bit, and now he can handle the rest of the day much more successfully. It's interesting. And I think sometimes it's not even just that it's the workload of school, because, that yes, that is a lot, but it's the overscheduling after school. So yeah. the child has this workload, but now the mom and dad have fit in. And I've seen this before where I've met with parents and they are their child is falling apart and they say, we want you to have a meeting with the teacher. Okay, so I talk to the teacher and the teacher says to me, between you and I, the child is falling asleep. They're taking two languages. They're taking karate. They're taking chess. This is, you know, private school in Manhattan where maybe their parents are trying to get them into the next level or whatever it is, and that's not to say that's for everyone, but the child is – and it's it's the extracurriculars and the after-schools that they weren't even able to just be children and play outside and play basketball or – ride their bike because they don't have enough time because their parents have booked them for the next two hours. They barely have enough time to eat, relax, and take a bath. And now it, they're on to the next, and by the time they get home, it's, okay, you got to go, and you got to go to sleep because you have a test tomorrow. So it, it's sometimes just maybe lightening up that load that can make a big difference for children. This is a wonderful time in a calm moment, to sit down with your child, particularly the middle school and teen-level kid, and say, let's look at your calendar. What's working? What's not working? Do that check-in. Don't talk about the schoolwork. Talk about what, how's the rest of your schedule going. Is it working? Is there one thing we can cut? Is there a rescheduling thing we can do? Get your child's input. Empower them, and they'll let you know. The second thing is make sure your child is getting enough Sleep. It's the most overlooked thing. I have it on of- my list. You're, I could check oh. it off because it was on my list to ask you. You're a hundred percent right. And 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 with that goes along. And I say this because this is going to go into my next thing: is take the computer and the phone out of the room. It needs okay, to be charged let's, let's, in the kitchen. The word that's huge about- for me. That's my next thing. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about things that we may be overlooking that are simple little solutions. We said sleep, but I can't emphasize that one enough. Any first period teacher would say, if that kid isn't ready to learn, showing up, sitting in the seat because he got enough sleep the night before, you might as well chuck off the first period. If you chuck off the first period, it spirals to every other class, particularly in middle school and high school. Focusing, concentration, abilities, sleep is critical. Second, did you ease your child into from summer to here? A lot of kids are still on a different time zone, particularly teens. Their brain actually biologically is on a different time clock. So make sure that the the weekend you're not letting them stay out late and then Monday morning comes again, there goes time zones again and he's on Beijing time and you're on there crashing. Watch out for energy drinks. Please watch them. A lot of our kids are taking them uh, and it's also impacting their sleep. TVs in a bedroom. The big things that teens say is they go to sleep with the TV on, then they wake up and they can't get back to sleep. Take the kid's cell phone, please. The moment he goes into the bedroom and goes to bed, take it. It's called a basket catcher. You just automatically, hey, 10 o'clock, everybody give me your cell phones. I'll be back tomorrow morning. 43% of kids say they continue to get texts at night. You're sleeping. You're not aware of how often your kid's getting that text. And turn off the computer and TV at least 30 minutes before your child goes to sleep because the flickering images of those screens are actually impacting your kids' REMs and they're really losing that sleep for it. What also happens? It ups the stress. It ups the anxiety. You don't have sleep and you're anxious. It's a double whammo. And not to mention, as and, and, uh, social media today is such a big part of our children's lives, as, yeah. as young as elementary school. But as they move into the, the middle school and the high school, you're talking about kids who are on social media. They're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Vine. They're making 
they're they're tweeting back and forth, they're texting back and forth, and one picture, one text, one thing that upsets someone or they didn't get a message or not enough people like their picture and they're so upset and this causes a major source of anxiety today. They're waiting back for a, a text from their boyfriend or a friend. They're in a fight with a friend now and there are just so many consequences to that and now they're up until 1 o'clock in the morning back yeah. and forth on the texting and it is, it's tremendous. Well, it's, it's painful right now if you haven't set a routine, but let's be really clear of what's happening. First of all, you're right on the mark. Teens will admit it, not to us, but when we survey them, that those texts continue to come in all night long. Also, it is increasing the amount of time that kids are taking to do their homework because they're multitasking. They're texting. Yeah, they're using the computer but it's not always to do just the research. So make sure that all programs are off during that time when your child is doing homework so he can focus on the work. It will cut the amount of time that he needs to do the homework so he can focus in on that. Then if you want to set up, okay, now you've got that, that space where you can do text, text or whatever. But if you set up unplugged sacred times during your house, you'll really be able to help your child know this is when we can't do any kind of texting. There are family plans also where T-Mobile has one where you actually can shut off certain times on that cell phone. You pay for the plan, so you might as well take advantage of it. And you can also check to see when your child is on and when they're off. So just really get into a routine of it because it will help just keep the routine going. One of the other things I love that teen parents are doing Many of them say they have a tough time finding that family dinner meal time. Uh, All of research says that's one of the best ways to connect as a family. It's one of the best ways to reduce stress. But if you're really having a tough time because everybody's on a different swing shift of work or everybody's got a different schedule, what some teen parents are doing is setting up a meet and greet where 8 o'clock in the night, or I don't care when it is, 9.30 or whenever, everybody stops doing what you're doing, goes to the kitchen, gets back rubs, and it's a family check-in time. Kids say they love it because it's just nothing more than how's it going. So right. just how was sure your day? You this that. is what my day yeah. was like, just just a check-in time. And, and I, I, I do it in my house during dinner, and like you said, our schedules are different. Everyone's different ages, but... Might not be every single night, but I know for us during dinner, we all go around the table and everyone has to say three great things about their day. And my kids' friends come over and they do it with us. They love it. And it does maybe like it just gives us a little insight into their life and something, a story, a funny yeah. something that they we didn't know about that they can share. And it it just it just connects families and i think families really are very overscheduled and busy today and those those little times can bring a family back together for sure so oh, I, I also I, I just so agree i i want to yeah. just get because of course we're getting to be you know we're almost out of time but not we, i just want to get to one other point which is bullying um it's such a big issue for children who have anxiety to go to school and i didn't want to end this interview without just touching upon it, especially because you are called upon as as a bullying expert, and I wanted to have your expertise in this. What should parents look out for if they feel that their child is having anxiety to go to school because they potentially could be bullied? I was just reading, I don't have you read the book, Reconstructing Amelia? I just finished it this morning. Yes. It it, yes, it it is I, it is yeah. I I want parents to read this book and I mean it is such a I I, I my kids came in this morning no no I said I, I have to finish this book and I just sort of was going with the interview tonight and I just it is so upsetting to think about that children teenagers put themselves into social situations that you would never sometimes parents say this perfect student this great kid my daughter's wonderful she's a fabulous kid and now they they don't even know that they're leading this secret life on on with their friends on twitter or whatever it is and they're facebooking and they're texting and they don't even know who it's with and i'm i'm reading this book and i mean you know it it happens and i just want parents to just if you could share a little bit of your expertise on this. 
Well, number one is we need to get educated as parents. This is a different era. The virtual world has clearly changed the parameters of parenting, but it means we need to monitor, we need to stay active, and we need to know what's going on. Number two, you need to know that by third grade, our children are now, that's about the last age where our children are really coming to us and telling us they've been bullied. There is a nosedive from that moment on. We need to be major involved with them. But how do you do it? How do you talk when they don't talk to us? So here's some points. First, go on the website and be, just be crafty with your child and say, let's just go on the website and check out your school. Oh, is there an anti-bullying policy at your school? Start looking and talking. Why? Because kids say when you start using those kinds of words, they at least know that you're aware that you're savvy enough on it, and they're going to be more likely to talk to you about it if they know you're tuned in. Use the news. It's all over the news. But let's talk about it. Anytime there's a problem with a child being bullied, just start talking about it with your child. What would you do? Number three, why don't kids come to us and why don't they tell? Well, they told us why. They said the first is they're embarrassed and they're humiliated. They're, re they're concerned about our response to them. So your first thing right now is have to talk before your child is bullied. Uh, you know what's going on everywhere. I know it's a problem. Probably it's going to happen to you because one out of three kids are. So let's figure out what you can do when it is. At least open up the conversation. Second, they're scared to death that you're going to call up the child who's bullying them and make it worse. Third is they say they don't want to tell you because We've either given them poor advice that doesn't work, get over it, it won't happen again tomorrow, or we don't believe them. Those four things alone should be a wake-up call. Get educated, like I said, again. Now, what do we know? We know some things, particularly for children who are special needs kids, that they're more likely to be targeted. My heart is starting to hurt, but you need to know this. We've done thousands of hours on videos, and we can spot on a playground who are going to be more likely to be kids bullied just at an elementary level, kids who don't look assertive, who look like they're easy targets, and children who are more anxious. We've been talking about those kids all night long. So what you may want to do is a couple of things. Start teaching them, first of all, I call it CALM, C-A-L-M. When I share this with hundreds of kids, in fact, I just finished working on 18 overseas Army bases when all the commanders had me come in and teach kids on every one of our uh, Department of Defense schools these techniques. C is stay cool and calm. You probably may be bullied because everybody is, but if you whine or you cry or you pout, chances are that's going to make the bully want to bully you even more. The kid needs to know this. A is learn to assert yourself. If you could teach your child one comeback line, stop it or cut it out, or just fine, thank you, it'll help the child learn what to say. You need to rehearse it. Look the child in the eye for kids who are Asperger's and they can't do eye contact. I tell them to look at the bridge between the kid's nose or find a target behind the child. But if you hold your head down, it makes your body look wimpy. And then you practice, M is make your voice sound like you mean it. Be firm. Listen to my voice. Cut it out. Cut it out. Which one do you think the child's going to listen to you? What I'm saying is we now know that there are certain kinds of things you can help your child learn to do. You also need to ask your child, in case there's a problem, who would you turn to? Who could you go and talk to? Make sure that he is able to identify a teacher or a secretary or there's some kind of a savior there for him to go to. In many classes, what we're doing for children who are likelier targets Unfortunately, we're now looking at autistic children as being highly targeted. We're creating what's called guardian angels. They have a child at that school site who is looking over them, who is there at certain key points uh, like hallways, bathrooms, uh, the fringe of a playground, the back of a school bus are all what are called hot spots. So we also are looking for where are places you should avoid. So I just covered a lot of stuff in a very short amount of time, Stephanie. I wish we had more time to talk about it. I know. It, but... I wish we did, too. And I, I have oh. to tell you, you are so brilliant. You are so on the money. These little tips, parents that are listening, it is so unbelievably helpful because you're actually giving parents real things that easy things that they can do. And I think in, in wrapping things up for tonight to realize that, 
every child is different and that it is so important that we have a, a close relationship with our children and realize that no one is above anything. Kids go through phases. Their transitions can be difficult, especially during puberty and new phases of children's lives. And that transitions, they're not, they're not always easy. And as parents, we need to help our kids get through this as best possible. And teachers, as, as you and I both said before, they are, we're a team. And we work together because together we can make a child's life just so much more manageable and so much more comfortable for them. And yes, the beginning of school can be tough for kids, but I think important is that parents need to be patient and that it will get better and some things do take time and, and to bear with it and things do do get easier. And doing these little tips, transitional objects, and I love your tips that you gave just now with the bullying and especially the family time with social media. We really covered so much information. You are a wealth of knowledge. So I thank you so much, Dr. Borba, for joining us this evening. Your oh, wisdom Stephanie, and experience was so amazing. Also, thank you. I this hope I see you in New kids. York soon. And um, uh, thanks again for have you know for being here with us tonight. You were amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks and good night. Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.